there's an invitation for us all to become more simple in our lives because it's not actually all the things that we acquire that actually provide our life force with fuel. It is having meaning, significance, control over work, and having an impact over our environments. That is what keeps people engaged. Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today you're in a treat because we're going to go north of the border. And we're going to visit with Catherine Bell, who's written a great new book. And we're going to talk about her book. We're going to talk about her consulting work. We're going to talk about her. So, Catherine, with that introduction, first of all, welcome. And thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me. Tom, thank you so much for having me. Even though I'm north of the border, thank you so much for having me. So, Catherine, could you tell us what's your current role? Well, I am many, many, many roles. My first role is being a mother. I'm a mother, a wife, and I'm founder of The Awakened Company, which is a business that consults on corporate cultures and how do we create healthy and alive corporate cultures. I'm also a partner in an app called Awakenly that's just being launched, and I'm a collaborator with one of the thought leaders on the Enneagram, Russ Hudson. So you can't really put me in a role. What I am really good at is being a great partner. My focus, though, is very much on how do we awaken ourselves and our relationships, our teams, and our communities. Catherine, corporate culture, engagement, awakenings are all concepts that are going to be very comfortable and indeed very important to the compliance professional. A large part of this audience is compliance professionals, so they're going to completely understand where I'm coming from. And this recording will go out on a podcast called Innovation and Compliance. And although compliance is in the title, it's really about innovation. And that's what struck me about you, your professional background and your work. You've you've really been innovative for a long time. So I guess I wanted to start with, I'm also an author, so I have to do the book author geek thing. What led you to write this book? I was very dissatisfied with the status quo. Very, very dissatisfied with the lack of engagement in our corporations. Did you know, Tom, the majority of people rate the worst time of their day as their time with their bosses. So I'm like, we need to change things for both the people who work with the bosses and also the bosses. And also the majority of businesses don't survive past nine years. So I'm like, we need to do things radically differently. And at the time I was writing The Awakened Company, I was also building an organization, an executive search organization with my partner, Shahana. And we built this thing and we won many awards for Best Workplace, one of the most profitable companies in Canada. And I took all the lessons learned from actually doing it and put it into the book, The Awakened Company. And at first, the name Awakened Company just came down as in a dimly lit cafe in New York City. And all of a sudden, the name Awakened Company came to me. And this was over a decade ago now. And I turned to my colleague, Carolyn, and she's like, I'm like, I'm to write this book, Awakened Company. She looked at me and there was no hesitation. She's like, yes, you are. So I started writing then and there. And at first, it was really terrible, Tom. Like, the book was awful. 
And I knew I wanted, I don't know if you're familiar with Eckhart Tolle or not, Tom. He wrote The Power of Now and New Earth. Anyway, I wanted his publisher to publish my book. And she said, I serendipitously got introduced to her through my father-in-law. It was all serendipity. It's like a divine will kind of just impacted and shaped my life for sure. And anyway, she said, no, I'm not going to publish this book. And I just kind of kept at her, kept asking questions. And finally, she said, no, actually, I think you have something here. So it took me seven years to write The Awakened Company. And actually, this Awakened Company was published in 2015. And the playbook will be coming out very shortly to go with The Awakened Company. Most business books only survive six months. And uh, Awakened Company has survived years. In fact, I'd say it's even more appropriate now than it was at the time. It was too forward, I think, at the time in 2015 when it was actually published. Whereas now, I think people, it really rests in people. They're like, yeah, this is what we need. This is what we need. So that's one of the things that struck me about the book, Catherine, that as significant as it was when it was published, it may be even more significant now. So certainly we've all gone through the pandemic and we're now in a different type of work environment. And I talked to a lot of professionals in sort of the recruitment and talent space, and they all basically say the same thing. In five years, the companies that succeed will be those who acquire and retain talent. As we move towards a more quantitative approach to many, many things, you actually need more talented people to understand the numbers, and then be able to make changes based on it. So I was really intrigued coming to what you just said, that this book is more important now. The workbook or playbook you've got coming out is going to be, I think, an excellent addition. But you said a little bit about why it's more important now, that maybe it was ahead of its time then. But what are you seeing when you look at the current work environment that makes engagement and culture so significant? Why is it even more important today than in 2015? Well, meaning is more important today because I think people have said enough is enough. I'm not going to do my minimum wage job, but I will do a meaningful minimum wage job. So in other words, I think people are looking for our experiences to actually be meaningful. There's an invitation for us all to become more simple in our lives because it's not actually all the things that we acquire that actually provide our life force with fuel. It is having meaning, significance, control over work, and having an impact over our environments. That is what keeps people engaged. Whereas if we're just there and we're kind of like mailing it in, we're losing all those moments. And I think, Tom, there's a finally a realization from people. They don't want to lose their moments. They want to take control of the moments that we have been given and do something with them. And they're not willing to sacrifice just a regular paid job for no meaning. They're looking for something far deeper at this point in time. So I think there's a real invitation for leaders in compliance, in any industry, to look at what is the deeper meaning behind our work. And then the Awakening Company outlines kind of we need to find meaning individually in our relationships and also in our organizations, teams, and communities. We also need to operate more collectively. We've been kind of siloed in so many ways from COVID. And I think there's a real invitation, Tom, for us to operate with more awareness of other people and to act and be in harmony with 
others, the earth, and the planet. I think every business needs to solve a problem, a challenge, without doing harm to either humanity or the planet. That's the invitation for organizations now. And when you get that mix and you can answer, you know, why, how, what, when, where, and you can have more impact and people will be more engaged in your organization. And also you will have lineups at the door versus turnover. So how does a company develop a strategy with a soul? Great question. I loved your questions, by the way, Tom. They're very, very insightful and powerful. So strategy with soul is people need to understand how they are part of the puzzle of the organization. To have clearly defined what are you energizing in your organization? That is, what is your vision? How are you celebrating? How do you have goals? How do you have metrics around those goals? How do you sustain them? What integrity do you have? What are your values? How are you building your community structures? How are you building your connection between people? For example, I was just in New York with my colleague and I went to New York just to celebrate him. And then I'm big into using different modalities to enliven organizations. So if we're going to have a mission, we're going to have music attached to that mission so that when you hear that song or see that piece of artwork, it means something to you as it relates to the organization. So kind of tapping in to our different senses to truly empower our strategies. And then the third pillar is regeneration. And that's our creativity, our innovation, and also kind of calm and stability in the organization. And when we talk about meaning, you know, let's think of music, because I know you love music. When we bring music into our organization, it taps on a different part of who and what we are. So if we're going to play a Genesis song and relate it back to something in our organization, every time you hear that song, it's like, oh, a reminder. Whereas what I find, you know, CEOs will say to me, you know, Kath, you took this company from zero to a billion dollars in under five years. How did you do that? I'm like, you've got the wrong motivation. The motivation's not for the money. The motivation is more on your corporate culture. And the alchemy is when we put two thirds focus on corporate culture and one third on financial results. We need both. It's like the blending of the divine masculine and feminine. We can't disregard the financial and we can't disregard the cultural. Business research shows the highest performing are those that you have both. Two thirds focus on corporate culture, one third financial results. Medium performers are those that just focus on culture alone. Bottom feeders are those that just focus on the financials. Whereas there's too much focus, Tom, on our financial results. So we need to create more healthy containers more music in our organizations to build healthy corporate cultures. Now, I was just on Wall Street. How ready is Wall Street for this approach? I'm not sure. You know, I was sitting here listening. There's organizations who are open and willing and ready, and there's organizations who aren't, and that's where all the statistics that I talked about earlier will go. And I think it's going to get worse if we follow the financial mantra versus kind of how do we solve problems and create healthy containers to solve our problems. So you advocate businesses being both sustainable and profitable. And I'm going to give you a huge shout out because I've recorded about 5,000 podcasts and no one has ever said the blending of the divine masculine and feminine. (laughs) So the, the discussion around sustainability and profitability, do you see those as really intimately linked together or are they separate? I think there's a predisposition 
in our society to want to separate things. Whereas I think if we create sustainable cultures, profitability will follow. So it's an outcome creating a healthy culture. Peter Drucker said, culture eats strategy for lunch. So how do we create these healthy cultures that then grow profitably? And I'll use my own experience as an example. Blue Era, executive search firm. And we started in 2008, one of the most challenging times to launch a business, especially more in the energy sector, as you know. And we grew and we grew and we grew and we did things. We grew by doing things radically differently. Unlimited vacation. You could bring your dog to work. We opened up the field. We had centering breaks. So how do we create the space for us to bring our full selves to work? We had team yoga, team workouts. So it was a healthy And we also, the unlimited vacation, at first people didn't take enough vacation time, and then eventually it opened up in terms of, we trust you, get your job done. We're not going to tell you when to do it. We gave the control up to the people in the organization. So we really do need to look at how we work and how do we actually want to be treated? Would we want to be micromanaged as people so often are, or do we want to give people the freedom to express themselves and then something more beautiful can emerge? So in my opinion, sustainability, because we want to keep our people. So if we're not sustainable financially, it doesn't, that's not good. We need both. We need both. It's not the separation that we so often want to see in terms of how we operate. So we've talked about culture a little bit in this podcast. You had an interesting comment that you see culture as transcending crisis. How can the right culture help a company through really any crisis in 2022 or even down the road? So if we look at our organizations as living organisms, to look at the truth of anything, we need to go to nature. So nature teaches us how to create healthy cultures. It is diverse. Different things flourish at different times. There's different seasons for things. So in terms of sustaining challenging times, in fact, our business grew during COVID. Our business grew during the last, there's some research on it that organizations that grow and can build during hard times are the ones that last because they know how to operate when things are challenging, Tom. So healthy forest, when you walk into a lot of organizations, it feels like deadwood. Let's create a healthy forest with diversity, with flourishing plants and animals. And that creates a new way of being and doing. I want to go back to something you said earlier. And this is incredibly important in the compliance space. You said really early in this podcast that the times employees either fear the most or the most comfortable is when they go in and talk to their bosses. And the significance of that in compliance is many companies want to have a speak up culture. They want to have an open culture. They want to foster a culture where people will come to them with problems before they become issues, legal problems, or or even worse. And so how do you work with a company to, number one, get that trust so that the fear goes away? But equally importantly, how do you train the boss? How do you train the middle manager to be that listening post for an employee? How do you have that discussion with a company? What a great question. I just want to hone in on the word trust because trust makes everything go faster. But when there's a lack of trust, it's like a tax is being imposed in an organization, it makes everything slower. So there's two things that we look at in an awakened company. First, are the roles clear? Does everybody understand how they fit 
in the organization. The second is relationship. And that goes beyond role. That is how we are as human beings together. And that relationship or relatedness, the relatedness between the two parties fosters trust. So is there a sense of spaciousness in the relationship, heartfulness, mindfulness in the relationship? And spending time one-on-one and cultivating it. Often in organizations, not enough time is spent one-on-one. That is going for that coffee. Because that's where you often hear the secret whispers that you need to hear. It gives us real insight into what is actually going on in the organization when people connect with each other in that way. Ahead of kind of the Dropbox where you, you can send a comment here or what have you, having those private, real conversations, that builds trust. But you can't do it only when there's a hard time. The invitation that I would have for everybody is to spend time with your people. Ask them, how are you? And how are you really? And know them. Because that creates a different level of trust and also relatedness. It brings our humanity back, which is what the Awaken Company stands for, bringing our humanity back into organizations. We aren't, I can't stand the term human resources. We are not an asset. We are not a physical bolt, widget. We need to treat ourselves more tenderly and our relationships more tenderly, and that builds trust. And then you get more of a vocal communication because as I was saying, people rate the worst time of the day is their time with their bosses. And nobody wants that. The bosses don't and the followers don't. And even the term follower, the moment we call someone an employee or follower, their level of control goes down. So I think we need to even look at it in terms of what titles are we giving people? Is everybody empowered in our organization to be leaders? And when people are given more of a leader title, then they feel like they have more control and will actually make better decisions. And the business research supports this. So I'm kind of asking for a reset of how we work together. One of the things the regulators in the United States tell us, and that can be the Department of Justice, it can be a U.S. government agency or other body, is the importance of culture. And when a regulator says culture is important, that obviously gets people's attention. But it also means that if a regulator comes knocking, they want to see evidence of how you've tried to improve your culture, if you have improved it, and how you've monitored or continually improved it. How do you help companies set up structures that can really answer that regulatory requirement that something like culture be documented so that you can measure it, you can monitor it, and then hopefully improve it on an ongoing basis? This is so important, Tom. I say what gets measured gets managed. So unless we have those clear metrics for our corporate culture, how do we know if our culture is doing well or not? We don't. We don't. So we work with organizations to help define their corporate cultures and metrics around their corporate culture. And it could be anything from engagement to DEIB statistics to turnover, wanted and unwanted turnover. But for me, that's where kind of the recipe has got to be customized around the company. I'm not so much into standardization of culture because I don't think that works. As I was saying about the, and you picked up on it, the divine feminine, divine masculine, the divine feminine is more mercurial and it's more like, okay, let's get a grasp of this to 
really define culture is a very challenging and interesting thing to do. And then to measure it is even more powerful. So you can say, you know, our turnover was this. We adhered to our values this time. We hired based on our values. Our performance management was based on our values and living our vision. Like there's ways to get at it, but it needs to be very specific to the organization. And that's where actually we do a ton of corporate consulting on that. Catherine, I'd now like to ask you to maybe put on your prognosticator's hat and look down the road a few years, 2025 or maybe even 2030. And do you see this topic, the awakened company, the culturally engaged company, the company that employees trust as even more important? And if so, are you having those discussions with corporate leaders today that guys and gals, you need to look down the road? The answer is yes. The Awakened Company is being incorporated actually into a business school as an entire degree program. So that in and of itself says something. A top business school is doing this. And it's time that we listen to the earth, listen to what we've all been through, and we can wake up something different. I haven't talked about the Awake Asleep line, and we can awaken that Life is happening for us, not life is happening against us. So let's learn from the past and build on that and create something better for everybody. I have kids and I want the earth to be a great place for them to reside and be and work and contribute to the world. And I think most people would want that intention for their families, Tom. And we need to build better and do better. And it begins with our own inner journey. Like, how are we showing up as leaders? How are we cultivating our relationships? How are we building community and team? And to really get clear with our intention and for how we're directing our awareness, because our awareness is a powerful tool. I don't think there's anything more powerful or precious than our awareness. So, the invitation for the future is really to use our awareness and attention to build something magnificent, a healthy forest for our families, for our communities, and for our world. And I don't think it's going to be an easy go, Tom. I don't have rose-colored glasses on. We're at a very pivotal time in human existence. So, Catherine, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on yourself, The Awakened Company, the consulting work you do, obviously the book. What would be the best place or places for them to go? So awakencompany.com is our website, katherinearbell.com, my personal website, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can find a ton of helpful hints. Our whole MO with our social media in particular is to spread our wisdom to people who we're not working with because we have a capacity issue. We've got too much, too much. So our social has tons of good advice and tips for CEOs and leaders on how to create awakened organizations. Well, Catherine, I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me. It's been a great discussion, and I hope we can continue this conversation. Me too. Thank you so much, Tom, and let's keep the music alive. If you want to stay up to date on the latest innovations in compliance and help your business run more efficiently, subscribe to this podcast and help spread the word by leaving a review. 